recorded live. Good evening, and we are coming to you in the evening, which is not our usual way, but this is 42 Minutes, and this is Doug, joined with my usual co-host, Will Morgan, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with someone with a number of names. His, uh, he's Mark LeClaire, and he's blogged as The Wrong Way Wizard, an artist lab Mel, and uh, he has a number of blogs, and he's a very gifted writer, and so this should be an interesting conversation, and we'll, we'll start in probably with your latest piece uh, about love and hate and Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want, I want to, if I may, if I may interject, I want to, uh, I want to know about the San Remo. Okay, well, all right, that's a good place to start. Okay, basically, uh, some time ago, about uh, two and a half, maybe three years ago, I wrote a very uh, in-depth article on Eyes Wide Shut. And uh, in it, I proposed that Eyes Eyes Wide Shut was released, as you guys probably know, in 1999. But I proposed that that the events uh, of Eyes Wide Shut actually only make sense if they take place on the Christmas holiday in New York after the events of September 11th, 2001. Now, I go into a lot of proofs about this, and some of them are quite interesting. Maybe we can talk about them. But uh, one that I discovered recently was, was this uh, information about the San Remo building. Now, uh, the Harfords, Bill and Alice, played by Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, are supposed to live in this very ritzy apartment building off of Central Park. And uh, we only see two images, uh, they're called you know, establishing shots in the movies, of, uh, of this apartment building from the outside. The two images are, are the exact same image. One of them is from uh, uh, right near the beginning of the film, and the other is very near the end. And you know they're the same image because there's this guy sitting in a seat in a park bench in the exact same position in, in, uh, in both shots. So, uh, all right, so anyway, I, I recently found out uh, uh, searching the Internet Movie Database that uh, the building in question is called the San Remo building. That's S-A-N and then R-E-M-O, two words. It means Saint Remo. Saint is the, uh, is the Latin uh, term for, or San is the Latin word for saint. Well, <clears throat> I, I did a little bit of research about this building, mostly following this thread on Internet Movie Database. It's an amazing thread. And uh, I, I learned that uh, the San Remo was a Twin Towers. And I, to me... This was a shocking because I had always felt that there was something about Eyes Wide Shut that revealed secrets related to 911. So now I'm very into uh, wordplay and palindromes in particular, p- particular the reversal of words, and I, I, I look at you know play with letters a lot. So in, when I saw San Remo, I immediately saw the letters from from Summerton, and Summerton is the estate where the character Bill, Doctor Bill from Eyes Wide Shut, goes and sees this horrific uh, uh, sex party taking place. So it's called Summerton Estate. Well, I saw those letters for... Yeah, are you with me so far? Yeah, yeah, I think I got you, I got you. Okay, so I saw, I saw the letters from Summerton in San Remo. Now, if you reverse the word Summerton, it comes out to not remotes. Well, aside from being a, a word meaning saint, the term san also means without or as in not having, or outside of, or et cetera, et cetera. So what I saw, the San Remo now becomes without Remo. 
Now, this, this becomes very interesting in terms of the John Lennon assassination. Okay, if you guys want to chime in at any point here, please go ahead. Oh, I because, will, but go on, go on. <laughs> okay, because, because the San Remo building is right next door to the Dakota building. They're on, they're on the same northern line, and, and the Dakota was called the Dakota because it was so far north in Manhattan that they compared, oh, okay. yeah, they, they compared it to the Dakota territories. When it was built, it was practically a standalone building, all right? You're saying it means no north, because the Dakota yeah, is north. Right. Yes, let me let me get to that. So so now we have San Remo. So if if, if it and you guys are probably familiar with some of the Masonic rituals, right? Yeah, theoretically anyway. And you know uh, we all know a little bit about this stuff anyway. Well, in in the in, in, in I was going to say in the Satanic ritual, uh, which is the same thing. But in the Masonic ritual, the the position of the light of illumination is in the exact north. Okay, and uh, this is symbolized by the the candle that we see on the top of the head of Baphomet. All right? Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, so so anyway, now I, I to me this was a, a fascinating uh, conundrum here because we have this concept you, of... You, you've used Baphomet and Kubrick before, too. Yes, I actually, yeah, I have. Uh, well, Kubrick Oh, no, I remember, yeah. Uh, you used it... Oh, fuck, I forgot about that. You used it for... The, it was the, the lover's card. No, it's actually the devil card. Yeah, it's the devil card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The devil's yeah, yeah. yeah. the devil card. I'm designing my own act of. Go ahead. No, you had Kubrick as the beast and Nicole Kidman were the, the lovers attached with the chain. That is correct. Yeah, that's how, when I see that card, I just see Eyes Wide Shut. That's, that, that card symbolizes the production of Eyes Wide Shut to me. But anyway, you know, that's, that's a bit of, of my own sort of, uh, you know, punk humor, basically. But, right. But I agree. The, uh, in the rainbow of fashion. <laughs> The rainbow store. Um, you see the a duplication of the lovers card behind um, the the proprietor of the store there, which ties in what you're saying. Oh yes, absolutely. Yep. The, this is all connected into the Beatles too. I mean, we could go on and on and on about this, but I can really make the point. Helter Skelter, hold... Helter Skelter, Marilyn Manson, Sharon Tate. Yeah, you got I, it, brother. I, 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 Right, 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 right. But I mean, all of this now, I got I got to tell you a personal story that you completed for me. I I kept seeing those double towers and thinking they were the twin towers in movies when doing research. Right. And then I realized that the tops weren't exactly where the tops are different. That is twin correct. Towers. Yes. Then I saw a picture of the Dakota and I saw those towers in it. And I was like, that's, that's the motherfucking San place Remo. right there. The yeah. San Remo. Yeah. That's great. I needed that. And I've, I've got that connected. Like, I can find, I know connections with the San Remo and the whole Beauty and the Beast theme. But yes. that, with, so what's, what's interesting to me is that it, it connects. It's like it makes, it makes perfect sense somehow. Oh, yes, it does. It makes, it makes more than perfect sense. And all of it, now, okay, you know, it seems, this is a good point before I get to the, the final assertion here about the events around the Dakota building in the San Remo. It, it, it's important for me uh, to distinguish a philosophical position here because we're talking about essentially a programmatic set of themes that indicate that an actual uh, demonic beast has been created to rule the planet Earth. Now, the question of that, of whether or not that's actually true, is very difficult to assess. And I want to just point out that when I'm talking about this kind of stuff, I'm only talking about the facts as they appear in the films. And well, fuck the facts. Like, you know, I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. 
because I fucking see it too, okay? Um, because Rosemary's Baby, which was filmed in the Dakota, was made the same year that they started construction on the Twin Towers. On the Twin Towers. Oh, boy, you are, and you are getting this so, so well. Yeah, you, you're getting it. Okay, so here, here's the No, kicker. but also, it's the same year. Look, this, it's the same fucking year that... Um, that 2001 was still, or came out too. Both, both those movies all came of out. these things are tied together. Yes, they're all tied. Right. Yes. Together. Yeah. This is all, all you know. Uh, since you brought up 2001, I mean, 2001 uh, appears to be the most mysterious film of all time. Yeah. Almost nobody seems to know what it means at all. And this <laughs> is this is Kubrick's brilliance, and I, I say brilliance with with awe and respect and a little bit of fear. Not necessarily as a fan, okay? But uh, Kubrick's brilliance uh, in 2001, he, he, he baffled everyone because he appears to be making a movie about uh, some, the, the ascension of humankind, the ascension of man to, to a higher realm. But he's talking about something very, very different in 2001, and he's making it seductive. He's making the principle very seductive to people who, who want to understand what's going on in their world. And so... When they're baffled, when they're dazzled by the intelligence of, the, of this man's work, uh, they're they're literally astonished. And they, uh, for me, it was a basically a twenty-three year period. Twenty? No, was it twenty-three? Yeah, twenty-eight years. No, it was twenty-eight years between the time I saw two thousand and one and I finally got it. That's how long it took me to get it. And I wasn't that happy with Kubrick when I got it either. <laughs> okay, okay, so <laughs> you, you presume you presume that. Kubrick knew, and that Kubrick was from 1969. See, that, that Get Smart fucking shit fucked with me, too. The Get Smart... Oh, yeah. Because I had come up with that theory, too, especially when you see video of Thermite and see the video of the Twin Towers, and you're like, well, that's Thermite coming out the side of the building. But the mm-hmm. only thing that made sense to me was that the Thermite was already in the building. And of course. The thermite, the thermite wasn't put in there the day before, or 10 days. It was put there upon construction. Yes, yeah. But I wouldn't agree with that, okay? okay um, I think I do, man. I, even, no, 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 no. Even no, if gonna... it wasn't active, even if there really were planes that hit that shit and it just no. struck off the thermite and they're covering up because they're like, damn, we're fucked. Okay, all right, all right. No, I'm going to, you see, this is the thing about, uh, I'm going to disagree with you, but I'm also going to agree with you completely. You're right. <laughs> no, no, no. No, listen, no, this works. This works. Check this out. This is, this is just a little philosophical trick. You're right in exactly the sense that a, a football player makes a, a first down, okay? But you haven't made the complete touchdown yet. The World Trade Center did not have thermite in it. It was built to be destructed. The, the whole buildings themselves are, are, have the capacity to vibrate at a harmonic tension. And this is given away in the design of the buildings because – and Kossi talked about uh, this too. About the pitch force. They're tuning forks. They're tuning forks. They're fucking yeah, tuning forks. That's exactly right. So the, this is the real secret. Thermite is, is, is a red herring, okay? Yes, there was thermite there. No question about thermite. Fuck. Damn it, it's the CIA in the Area 51. Fuck. <laughs> oh, it, it's not the CIA. Well, it, it is the CIA. But the CIA operating under what auspices? Who's pulling the strings? That's what we're trying to get at here, right? Because, okay, you know the movies uh, Astronaut's Wife and yes. End of Days? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. 
1999, both have to do with the twin devil babies being born. Yes. And both have high symbols. They both feature the twin towers in the movies themselves. Yes. It's the same baby. It's Rosemary's baby. Well, it's not, you see. <laughs> All right, you're, you're right again. But let me just take it one step further. You see, what in the 1980s, I read a fascinating thriller novel, and it was called The Day After Tomorrow. It's not to be confused with Roland Emmerich's later film. They're not even remotely similar. And The Day After Tomorrow is, is about twins, too. And these two twins are created, and they're, gonna, they're genetically created uh, out of the DNA of Hitler, okay? But what they do is they make, they, they make two of them because they know that the experiment is going to have to be pushed. And at some point, one of them will probably break down. It's just like in the movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Right. Yeah, which is also End of Days. And Arnold Schwarzenegger actually played in that movie Junior where he burst to, like, the burst to the baby. Yes, which is yes very, baby through a male, right? Right. It's so, Junior. So you just erase a couple of letters and you have Juno. Very nice. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Juno being the goddess. Right. And the goddess, the, goddess, the goddess is the image. Uh, this is why it is born out of a man, okay? And this takes us directly to the concept of Saturn. The, the material illusion, which we know as, we sometimes call esoterically, we call it Isis, or we call it the Maya. The material illusion is projected directly out of Saturn. Now, this is uh, in the, the, the myths, the, the myths themselves. Although uh, the, the god is called Kronos in the Greek myth, and Diana is the goddess that leaps out of his head. And she leaps from the top of his head in exactly the way that a man's ejaculation uh, issues forth from him when he has an orgasm. Okay? So what we see here is that there is no woman. The woman is the material creation, the concept that leaps forth from the mind of Saturn. All right? Okay. Are you with me? So... Once we start talking about concepts of how all this is coming to pass, we have to understand that it is definitely a Saturnine process. It comes; it literally comes from Saturn, and this leads us back into Kubrick again. And of course, you know, Saturn is just a play on words for Satan, right? And I, you know, again, I want to say from a philosophical perspective, because when you start talking about Satan, when you when you invoke that word. You, 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 uh, religious connotations and all sorts of mystical connotations just begin to explode in the minds of everyone. But what I think is very important is that this only need be some kind of system, right? It can be a technology. It doesn't necessarily have... It can be a type of a program. We could call it the Satan program. I actually call it the Herod program, but my reasons for that are come from the Bible, because it was Herod who sent out his men to kill all the newborn children to murder Christ. Same thing so, Saturn did in a way. Yes, yeah. So, and, and, and Kubrick is obsessed with Saturn. Obsessed with Saturn. Obsessed, completely obsessed. Do you guys want to chime in a bit here, or should I just keep rolling yeah. on? Um, okay, where well, are you going with this? Where, where is the Saturn in Kubrick? Um, okay, well, let me, all right. As part of an esoteric framework, that would be be, be be explained rather simply if you looked in like the golden dot in the Western esoteric tradition, and not literally about Saturn, but more about the internal Saturn, like the black sun within men, 
and okay, being respected and all of that. That's all interesting, and it, it's legitimate in terms of the esoteric debate, but I am not really an esotericist, and I am a code breaker, so I'm going to lay out a code for you here, okay? The, word, the term Stanley Kubrick, the letters therein spell I turn black keys, okay? There's no extra letters missing. Now, if, you, if you're a musician and you see a piano, there are black keys and there are white keys. There are five black keys that form a pentatonic scale before they repeat over in an octave. Are you guys staying with me? Mm-hmm. So far, so good. So essentially, if you play only on the black keys, you have a five-note scale. That gives you the pentagram, which is strongly associated to, to satanic imagery. Okay? okay? Now, just stay with me here, because this is where it gets really interesting. <laughs> if, if you take the letters HAL, H-A-L, right. and you apply to them you apply to them the Kabbalistic enumeration called gematria. And, in, you know, the thing that's important about the Hebrew language is that gematria is a number system. There, there are no numbers in ancient Hebrew. So they literally use numbers as letters. It's not the same as, as Western numerology where we say A is like 1 and B is like 2. To them, B literally meant 2, as right. well as other things, right? So when you take the letters H-A-L, you have... In Hebrew Dramatria, it adds up to 36, okay? Now, when you take... Now, of course, everybody knows that H-A-L is one forward from IBM, right? Right. Well, when you take the letters IBM, it adds up to 52. There are 52 white keys on a piano and 36 black keys. Yeah, no, 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 there's more. Because Kubrick was obsessed with with Pinocchio, Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so hint, yeah. hint, AI, AI, That's right. AI. For, okay. You got it, you got it, okay? And uh, actually, he drove the, the guy who was writing uh, the screenplay for the original AI draft when Kubrick still planned to direct it. He drove him nuts with his obsession with Pinocchio, and you can read about it. The guy's name is Brian Aldis. But anyway, to stick with my point here, um, so Pinocchio, uh, which of course is a Nazi dedicated, because everybody knows of the connection between, between Disney and the Nazis, right? So that, hey, hold on, time out, time out, time out. All right, time out. I, I tried to slip that one by. Man. I tried to slip that one by. All right, hold on. No, no. Listen, if if you're just joining us, we're getting our brains mushed out and kicked around on the floor by the wrong way, wizard. Um, Doug, how much time do we have left? We have lots of time. It's uh, we're 18 minutes in. Okay, so is there is there any way that you would like to redirect this, Doug? Well, so it sounds like the wizard here has a cosmology or a point of view, a, a framework that he makes sense of reality from. Because so, well, can I challenge him? Well, please do. Please challenge me. Challenge me. Okay, so in two thousand one. Stanley Kubrick studied Joseph Campbell. And Joseph Campbell's whole thing is the monomyth and how there's this eternally recurring story. Yes. And the big thing in 2001 is the monolith, which mm-hmm. is obviously connected. Right. So, instead of saying that Stanley Kubrick actually correlated, um, orchestrated all of these events, Perhaps he was merely revealing that they are part of 
Yes, that is that is a, a, an absolutely legitimate interpretation. Yeah, that's completely legitimate. Okay, it can't be denied. But I only look at the codes, and I actually, I'm I'm kind of stuck in the same sort of ambivalence you are. Was that uh, LOS, Jason? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Hi. Um, yeah, I, I'm stuck in the same sort of ambivalence uh, as you are in this. I I have not made a decision. As, as to whether or not Stanley Kubrick is actually Saturn or whether or not he simply reveals through his natural existence this Saturnine code. Okay, but I'm, all I'm doing is pointing out the Saturnine code. Right. There is definitely a connection, and it is very, very strong, between Stanley Kubrick and the planet Saturn. And all of the alchemical concepts and all of the, the uh, esoteric and occult concepts that go with Saturn uh, you can you can pr trace practically every one of them in a really straight, clear line to Stanley Kubrick. So I suspect that Stanley Kubrick's intellectual prowess was an avatar of Saturn. And that's what I think. But again, I don't mind being mocked or questioned on that matter because, of course, I can't really know that, right? I can't know it. And no, I, 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 I try to throw out an idea here. <laughs> yeah, I, I try to stay real about it. But, but, but just let me finish my code, if you don't mind. No, please do. Okay, yeah, so uh, we were talking about Pinocchio. Well, <laughs> uh, in code breaking, one of the things you do is you break down syllables, uh, and there, there's something called a spoonerism. It's like where you turn around letters, so my name is Mark LeClaire, I would become Lark McClaire, right? Well, if you, if you take the word Pinocchio, uh, which is actually correctly pronounced Pinocchio, what you get is pianoki. Pianoki. Yeah. You get, a, you get a spoonerism of the term piano key by s switching around uh, syllables and diphthongs from the term Pinocchio. Now, Wooden boy. Yes, but, he, but here's the thing. Piano. Wooden Pinoc piano. Yes. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Where's the piano? Wooden piano. Yes, wood, wood, wood piano. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so... Oh, that's very good, yeah. So uh, with piano key uh, mixed out of Pinocchio... There's something very interesting, because the movie Pinocchio is 88 minutes long. And that's just exactly how many keys there are on a piano. Huh. Now, what makes this even more interesting is that the planet Saturn is 888 million miles from the Earth. So there's clearly a, re a repeated theme here. So the question is to, to see if you, you know, if, if you can make any sense of it, basically. And I make sense of it in terms of what I believe is the Saturnine Age. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a devoted reader of Aleister Crowley, but I would not call myself a follower. However, in a certain sense, everything that he says makes sense to me. The Age of Horus is upon us, and that age is an age uh, that would probably de be best defined by extreme individuality. But war. ultimately... Go ahead. War. It's the age of war. It's the yes, age of war. That's exactly right. Yes, because that's what comes out of extreme individuality. Right. Everyone becomes rooted to an individual cause or purpose. Then we are always at some state of war. And of course, the, the most interesting level of that war is the one that takes place on the level of information itself. Information and perception. Are you guys there? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot, Janet. It's a lot to process. Okay, well, yeah, all right. You know, that's, that's the thing, and that's the, this is one of the reasons why I have re uh, remained quite marginal, is because there's a great deal of density to what I'm presenting, 
and it, it doesn't take up very much space. I kind of go over a lot of the same material over and over again and just sort of yeah. continually compile data because, well, you know, this, this is a good place to branch off from the code idea and get into the more personal side of this. Because for me, this is about events that happened in my life. It's about the, and these events happened to me before I even had the concept in my mind of synchronicity. I was a, I mean, I knew what synchronicity was. I, I was a fairly well-read person, uh, but it all just seemed to be something that was interesting and and theoretical. It didn't seem to apply in any way to me. And then I had, a, you know, that I had a, a certain event happen to me in the summer of 2001 that uh, completely literally it literally rocked my world it pretty much destroyed my life actually you 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 mentioned to me one time before that you had an experience much like philip k dick and that you knew how they looped us and it was yes, with magnet yeah i had a dickie in <laughs> uh, i love the dick what can i say yeah i, I had a dickie in experience Dickian experience, uh, well, I had a, a Gnostic experience, and it was a full-fledged Gnostic experience. I literally, you know, and it, 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 I, it gets weird talking about this. Uh, I feel a little bit uh, uncomfortable about it, although I did bring it up. But, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, my whole world became focused into a single event, essentially. And that event happened a, just about 11 years ago, in, in July of 2001. And I'm still living inside that event completely. Everything that happens to me relates to it directly. So it's a, you know, it, it's a strange thing to make the claim of complete gnosis. And I, I am making that claim. I don't believe there's anything I can learn about reality that I don't already know. I can only learn details that uh, always seem to fit perfectly into this picture. Now, this leads to the problems relating to concepts of sanity and confirmation bias and all of that other stuff. And that's part of the reason why I put my blog out there is because I want people to say to me, you know, you are totally fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> and I want to say, you know, what do you make of this? What do you make of this? And, you know, so far nobody's able, been able to knock me off my perch. So I'm but still But you are. It. You're totally fucking nuts, dude. I am nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, okay. July 2001. Mm-hmm. Walk me through it. Why All right, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you the story. It's a, it's a pretty short story. I was. Uh, I'm a musician by trade, and I was working for Holland America Cruise Lines at one of their hotels in Alaska. And this place is in a very, very remote location. This hotel. It's actually literally the midpoint between Fairbanks and Whitehorse on the Alaska Highway. So it, it's a full day's drive to get there, and then a full day's drive before you see anything else. Basically, it's literally in the middle of nowhere. And only about 70 people live there year-round. But in the summertime, Holland America has these bus tours that they run through Alaska. And this place is the midway point on a two-day tour. And what they do to entertain people, because they're exhausted, is they put on a show for them, right? And I was the musical director for a show out there. So while I was working out there, I met this kid. Like, I, I'm, I'm an old guy. I'm, I'm 47 years old. And this was, uh, I was 32 or 33 at the time. No, I was 35. I was 35 at the time, and, uh, and I, I met this kid, and he, we were talking about movies, and I mentioned how much I love 2001, and uh, he said he wanted to see it. And then he asked me something. He said, have you ever watched The Wizard of Oz synced up to Dark Side of the Moon? And I'm like, no. 
<laughs> I had never even heard such a thing. First of all, I was a complete Internet idiot at this time. I spent no time on the Internet. And uh, I'm also a classical musician, and I, I really do love classical music, so mostly I listen to that. I'd heard some stuff from Dark Side of the Moon, but I'd never heard the complete album, and I never owned it. So, uh, really? Really? Yeah, really, really. I, I'm not lying. I will not lie. It was your generation, man. That was a, you should have known that. I knew that. I know, I know. I, I know, dude, but I didn't know it, and that's the truth. I am not making up one iota of the story. I hope I, uh, that it's important to me that you believe me because truth is incredibly important to me. Especially okay, so what happened? What happened? Because the, I'm getting there. Your experiences are lining up very closely, not totally, but we were doing the same stuff. I want to know how big of an impact it had on you. Oh, okay, fine. You know what? You're going you're gonna to hear this for the first time outside of a very small group of people that I know personally, since you're asking me. What the hell? I'm going to let her go. Okay, so here, here's what happened. Um, I wanted to do this. When this kid told me about this, I was fascinated, right? Watching a movie while listening to an album uh, with the sound off of the movie, I, I just wanted to try it immediately. But the thing of it is, we were in a very isolated community. With no, there are no movies up there. He had the album Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, so but there was one woman who lived in town, and she owned a lot of films. She was a film buff. So I went to ask her if she had Wizard of Oz, and she didn't. She did not have it. But what she did have was 2001. And I thought, well, cool. I'll show my I'll show my friend 2001 at least. It'll be a a compromise. But I got the idea, well, why don't we listen to, if it works with, 2000, with, with the, the Wizard of Oz, why won't something happen interesting with 2001? Well, what happened was much, much, much more than interesting. And I haven't really been able to convince anyone yet to take a serious look at this. The closest I came was with Bill Claus, and Bill and I had a great relationship. But uh, and I, I know he, he sees what I see when I, when I showed him the specific timing that I suggested that he use. But he, he extrapolated this into his artistic uh, designs, which is, which is great. And I think those artistic designs have been fruitful. But uh, for me, there was a specific occurrence uh, that was simply too astonishing to be ignored. Now, what happened was after this, I had a complete nervous breakdown, <laughs> basically. Um, and I began to receive what, what you would call messaging. And the messaging had to do with... Uh, with, with certain numerical properties, the number 22 in particular, which it later turned out is the number in the Hebrew alphabet, the number of letters, which I have studied pretty much nonstop since I, this happened to me. I have no idea why I became obsessed with the number 22. But for me, it was associated with the concept, all is one. All right, there was a girl who lived there. Her name was Allison, which is always one, and she lived in room 22. And I was just walking along one day after doing... Still lying. Uh, yeah, after doing this 2001 experiment and really enjoying it and thinking it was really cool, I was walking along and I, all of a sudden I just stopped and I looked at her name, Allison, and I saw all is one and the number 22. And I'm, the next part of the story I'm not going to tell you, but let me just tell you that what happened to me after that is a mystery that I'm trying to solve. And the way I'll explain it to you is this. Somebody tried to kill me. <laughs> and they tried very hard. I, I, was, I nearly died. I don't know how it happened. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure it out. When you say somebody tried to kill you, were you abducted no. by somebody? No, let, somebody let, me, let me explain. Let me explain. I'll, I'll, I'll be totally Wait, honest. wait, wait. I don't want to weird you guys out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, would did, would did Allison, like, turn into a ninja and try to kick you in your head? What the <laughs> fuck happened? No, no. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to tell you 
And if, if it's too much information or if it weirds you out, I guess that's the price I have to pay. Because obviously I've never told this story to anybody before, and the only ones who know it are my very closest family and a few friends. Um, I received a signal, basically, that told me I had to kill myself immediately. And believe me, I was in this, – this was not a moment of depression – and uh, they, they tried to treat me as a psychiatric patient after this happened, and they could not diagnose me, uh, and they still haven't diagnosed me. I have always stuck to my guns that I received a transmission that I needed to kill myself immediately, and I did so. Uh, and the result was nearly fatal for me. I don't actually know how I'm alive because I just woke up. Okay. Uh, I, can understand. Yeah. I can understand why you would not tell me, but that is a beautiful thing to share. Thank you. Okay, well, I, I'm glad I did tell you, and I, and let I me, appreciate your reaction. Break in for, so. The thing of it is, what has to be understood is that I, I did not make a decision to kill myself. As I, as I went through the preparations, from the moment I received the signal until the time I tried to kill myself was less than two minutes. And I was terrified. I was, I was thinking about how, how much I was going to miss all my family and all of that stuff, but this signal and the power of it was so strong, and it was coming to me through media, and it was coming to me through media cut-up. I was listening to Dark Side of the Moon, and I was watching TV at the same time. And media cut-up. Yeah. Media cut-up, very well said. Media cut-up, yeah. very well said. And at that moment, the message was so strong that I was literally horrified that if I did not obey it, I would, be, I would come to a great ruin. And so I did, basically. And so this is why I say someone tried to kill me. When I say someone, that's a vague term. I was not undertaking an act of suicide. I was at the happiest part of my entire life. I was reasonably sane. I was working. I was making good money. My whole life was destroyed by this, uh, this act of mine, and it was destroyed mainly because I refused to change right. my story after it happened. But, right. Back to the chronology, you watched 2001 with, what was the music? Was it Dark Side of the Moon or was it? Dark, Dark Side of the Moon, yeah. Okay. And so Bill Klaus does... In his Transformer, his Kubrick Transformer, he does 2001 with the wall. Yes. Here's the thing. I, I want to be very clear about Bill. I love him. He's a really decent guy. And of all the people who I've ever tried to work with, he's the only one that stuck in there and didn't lose his cool and dealt with my very squirrely persona, basically. However, I really think that Bill is on the wrong track with his work after he broke off with me. And that's not because – I mean – what I'm proposing here is very simple, and what, and what Bill is proposing is a, 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 a mis mishmash that he has called from great tinkering. There's no tinkering involved in my timings. You set up the, the movie, you watch it at a certain time, and I have found uh, uh, three films and three albums. I did this in concert with Bill, but every single one of the uh, original timings was suggested by me to Bill, uh, those, those three albums are uh, Metal, the Pink Floyd album, Dark Side of the Moon, and The Wall. And the three films are 2001, The Shining, and, uh, and uh, Eyes Wide Shut. And look, you guys, after the show is over, I will, I will tell you these timings. You go and you sit, and you just sit and watch it from beginning to end. Don't stop, don't think about it, just look at it. And you, what you will see will blow your fucking brain in every single occasion. If okay. Bill, so then you're then you so need to take a. So then you do this. You're out in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, 
And so is this the doorway that opens you to, yes. quote, unquote, like evil forces that are trying to program you to kill yourself? I wouldn't that- call them evil. See, because I, I, I rem- the truth of the matter is I remain truly ambivalent. At the heart of things, I'm, a, I'm a, so- a Socratic philosopher. I'm a true skeptic. I'm a true agnostic. I'm only telling you what happened as I perceived it. And I, I wouldn't say that they're evil. Okay, but so really I, what I was reading a little bit was that perhaps maybe that message or signal was coming from Saturn because it seems like Saturn is... I am I'm 100% certain that it was. Okay. And, and so, you know, I, 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 have, I had to figure this out like a puzzle. So this isn't something where I had an idea and then I went in and I, I found proof to prove the idea. I was totally lost. And when I, when I say my life was derailed, you can't believe it. I mean, I lost every friend. I lost my career. I, I became a complete pariah to my entire family except for one member, essentially. And, uh, you know, I was, I was branded as literally crazy by everyone who knew me. But I stuck to my guns, and uh, I, I researched without prejudice, I think. And I guess that's going to have to be some kind of cosmic question as to whether or not I am deluding myself. But um, I, I sought without prejudice the answers to questions as to why this happened to me and what it meant. And so we are a couple of 37 minutes in, so we only have about five minutes left. Could you, is there something you would want to say about what it meant and what it means? Okay, no? I, want, I want the instructions. I want to know where to go to get the instructions to watch the certain films with the certain Floyd okay, well, I, I haven't spoken to my wife. Is that where you're going? You're going to open the door to this? It's going to be well, Okay, we'll talk about that. Can, uh, do you want me to, to, to do that now, to explain it to you now, or do you, on the show? No, well, do you have, like, a place online that it is? No, I don't, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll send them to you on Facebook. Okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I'll do that immediately after the show's over. But go ahead and tell people where to find your blog. Well, uh, if you want to find my blog, I'm the Wrong Way Wizard, and you can search me on Google. I'm number one, so it's that simple. Beautiful. <laughs> Jason, was there anything that you wanted to ask? I wanted to ask everything, but um, I don't know where I can break in here. Well, let, let, let me let me suggest uh, what I what I call from all of this, how how I perceive all of this. Um, I don't believe that there is any reality outside of the reality of what I would call the collective perception of human beings. I don't believe that there are other planets. I don't believe that there are stars. I think that is all a, a projection. Uh, I, it's essentially, one could call it the holographic matrix, but I prefer to call it the Vallis loop, essentially. And what that loop does is that it, uh, it, it is, it's a prison for a group of people who are immortal. And uh, all of us are immortal, uh, I believe. And that death is a form of amnesia in, in both States. When someone dies, when we see someone die, uh, it's not really death at all. We're somehow forgetting them. And then uh, when we die, people, other people are forgetting us. That's all that happens. And it all comes back around. The fact is there are several philosophers who talked about this. Nietzsche, actually, surprisingly enough, uh, in connection to 2001, Nietzsche uh, suggested that the human, a human being's life is like walking around 
you know, a lake. And most of the time, you just know you're walking around the lake. But every once in a while, you see something that tells you you've been there before. It's not deja vu. It's, it's the complete understanding that you exist exactly as the path around the lake itself. You are that path. You are an eternal thing. And that is the Valis loop, essentially. I think that if, uh, if Nietzsche had lived in a technological age, he would have had come to the same conclusions as, as Philip K. Dick did. Uh, uh, and he would have had, been able to research, as Dick did, the, uh, the origins of this loop, which are essentially Saturnine. Uh, they come, uh, you know, uh, Philip K. Dick uh, used the term Jewish alchemists. I like to avoid that because I don't, because I, uh, it's dangerous to, to talk about the Jewish people uh, because so many concepts immediately spring up. And I, it, it's really a Saturnine process. The religions of the world uh, create a mystic state, and this state is based on a number of sacraments, and one of those sacraments is death. That we are not real until we die, basically. And, uh, of course, this is a lie. It's, it's, it's a lie that makes us live for the future and live for a state other than what we're in right now. And when you start to live in the exact moment in which you're in, the concept of the future becomes quite ridiculous. The idea that you can improve reality or even change it at all becomes ridiculous. Philip K. Dick had a kind of a negative look at this. He saw it as a prison, basically, that needed to be escaped. And while I see it in the same way, I also see it as something very beautiful, basically, something stunning and shockingly, almost, well, in my opinion, perfectly created, essentially. We are living in, a, in, a, in an ironclad universe, and the principle of that universe is beauty. And it's, it's a very difficult beauty, and it's painful, but it is beautiful. I guess that pretty much sums it up. Well, that's perfect, because we're, <clears throat> we're, we're out of time. And thank you so much for coming on. It's interesting to, to get to the end of that. Uh, well, Will, thank you so much, Mark. Um, and sorry about the mix-up this morning. Uh, oh, not at all, not at all. Um, look for The Wiz online, and uh, we'll see you next time. I think we're talking to Anna Day. So Thanks, take care, everyone. And I'll send you those, uh, those Facebooks. Thank okay. you, sir. All right. Bye-bye.